Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. My message today is unique in its appeal. Uh, This was my Mother's Day message that I did not get to preach. And so because the Lord has not left me alone about it, I'm going to preach to you my Mother's Day message in August. Okay? So there it is. And so I want to direct your attention to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to be reading verses uh, 1 through 7 and then skipping down to verses 11 through 16. So here we go. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's actually very simple. One God and Father of all, who is of over all and through all and in you all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and from by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. And boy, the winds have been blowing lately. By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, makes the church grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you on this thought, a mother's love. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but there is nothing quite like a mother's love. It's all-encompassing. It's a natural phenomenon to behold, really. Even little Brighton has a baby doll today. In fact, I'd be honest with you, speaking as a mom and having an epic mother, there's a unique intensity to maternal love. I could pass around the mic this morning, and everyone probably has several stories about the unique intensity of your mom's love. From your friends to your foes to your hygiene to your manners... And everything in between, a mother's awareness and care for her child is very different from that of a father's 
And so for the record, I did miss throwing Pastor T under the bus on Mother's Day as my tradition. And so because it seems that every other Sunday, he takes his liberty to make me the subject of every illustration and every cheap shot he can work into a message, I'm going to follow suit and do it today, even though it's not Mother's Day. I don't go out of town very much. It's already good, isn't it? You're excited. I'm excited to tell you. I don't go out of town much um, because I am, have always been hopelessly devoted to our girls because that is the example that I had growing up. And so I never left and took it lightly. I was concerned about their well-being and care as only I can be concerned. Now, to be sure, Tom is an epic dad. And that word is weighty around here. I don't use it lightly. He is epic. Yes, he is, Audrey. And he learned from the best. I have confidence in that. He is the fun factory in our family. He's the yes man, you know. Everything's yes. He lives to make dreams come true. He literally says those words when we're on vacation. He does. It's true. (laughs) But when the girls were younger and more dependent... I always had one main concern when I left, and that was what they would look like (laughs) while I was gone. Some of you know where I'm going with this. I've been on trips, and Stephanie, I've received texts and pictures, and I am horrified at what my children look like. Oh my God. They clearly have dressed themselves. They clearly have done their own hair, and it's just been a free-for-all because he's making dreams come true, and so he's facilitating outfits and wardrobe changes and hairdos that have never been okay before. But in my absence, there are my precious girls. And I get this sensitivity very honestly. I admit I do have high personal standards because Mary Poppins was my mother. (laughs) Right? That's what the bishop called her, Mary Poppins. But I also have scars from my childhood. I loved traveling with my dad. And he, if he invited me, it didn't matter where, where he was going or what he was doing. Banquets, seminars, revivals, youth camps. If he said, Chris, you want to go with me, absolutely party all day long. You know how he was. But I learned early on that there was one thing that I needed to really be concerned about when I left Mary Poppins' care. That I had to assess the situation at that youth camp. Whatever girl's hair was the prettiest, that's who I wanted to do my hair. Now, my dad had one hairdo, Kate. One hairdo. And I let him do it one time. It was his side ponytail. I can't even say it without laughing. Because side to my father meant directly behind your ear. There we were. Just the side ponytail. And it became such a joke in our family that he would laugh too, trying to say he had a hairdo. So anyway, I appreciate and acknowledge that Pastor Tom is an amazing devoted father. However, in the 15 years that we have been parenting together, I realize 
that there are things that I care about, things that I want to see nurtured in our children, ways I want them to be taken care of that are completely off of his radar and understanding. And that is okay. Because I think all of us could agree that no matter what our personal experience has been with a mother or not having a mother, women, their love and their care is given in ways that men are just not able to give. Women love in a unique way. We are wired, and I would say equipped by God differently for his divine purpose and order in the earth. The Bible is clear from the beginning that both men and women were created in the image or in the likeness of God. And while I would agree that most of the time in the scriptures we see God as our father, a paternal, masculine being, we also understand that God must have a feminine side too, for male and female were created in his likeness. And all the ladies said, amen. Amen. Now, I am not saying that God is effeminate. But what I am saying is that powerful force in the earth, that maternal love, that female intuition, whatever you want to call it, however you want to label it, what makes a woman the caregiver and the nurturer that she naturally was created to be is God's divine nature expressed in what it means to be female. All right? And sidebar, God's way has always been the best way. And he created us male and female for his purpose. Our culture has an agenda to rebel against that design. A plan for humanity, especially within the context of the family. But in so doing, I hope that as believers, it's made one thing very clear to you. That God's way is always the best way. And God's way always has our best interest in mind. Amen. All right. So stay with me as I get to my thesis this morning. Jesus compared himself to a mother when he described the devotion and love that he had for his people. I draw your attention to Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. This is by no means an isolated Comparison. In fact, numerous times throughout the scripture, God compares himself to a mother. An Old Testament example of this is found in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. These verses clearly show us that God's love and care for us as his children is not limited to a paternal role. He cares for us in maternal ways as well. To be clear, God is always referred to in masculine terms. I'm not saying that he's not because Jesus was both God and man. That is the form in which he came to the earth. But this morning, I want us to consider where we experience this maternal side of God's nature. How does God mother us if he is, in fact, our father who art in heaven? 
I believe this morning and very burdened that the answer is vital to our survival and to our growth as believers. The Bible lets us know in no uncertain terms that the church is the ultimate expression of God's love and care for us. There are desires that God has for our lives that we have only access to through his partner on the earth, and that is the church. And so in our text, we read from Paul's pen the utmost importance of our connection to the body of Christ. For it is through the church that we attain the love and unity that God desires for his people. It is also only through the church, according to Ephesians 4, that we are taught truth. That we mature as believers and we are ultimately equipped by the church to fulfill his purpose in our lives. And so this morning, I want to look to the word of the Lord and consider the ways specifically in which the Lord uh, mothers us spiritually. And so number one, the church births us. The plan of salvation requires the involvement of the church. There's no baby without a mom. And the new birth message was given on the birthday of the church itself, the day of Pentecost, because we cannot be saved without the church. No one baptizes themselves. Not even Jesus Christ. Jesus was very intentional and very careful to go to where John, his cousin, was baptizing. And John was horrified, remember? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, oh no, I've got to be baptized by you. And so we are adopted into God's family through baptism. And God set it up so that we do this in the context of the church. And I believe that this is meant to establish early on in our spiritual journey the church's necessity and its involvement in our spiritual development. Amen. Number two, the church feeds us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 lists different roles in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or more clearly, teachers. All of these feed our spirit man by instructing us in the word of God and showing us the ways of God. This means that these voices and callings are necessary for all of us to grow in Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 is clear that all scripture comes from God and is meant to help mature us as believers. Verse 17 says that we might be complete that we may grow and mature in our relationship with God. We must be taught the word of God in order to do that. And we cannot do that alone. We cannot be our only teacher. We need our spiritual mother, the church, to teach us. And Paul wrote to you and I to say we need teachers, we need evangelists, and we need pastors, and we need apostles. And so like a mother cares for her child by making sure that they receive the nutrition they need to grow and survive, so it is the job of this church to help you receive the spiritual nourishment that is required for you to be saved and stay saved. 
Amen. Number three, the church helps us mature in our faith. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. Children representing immaturity, inexperience, without knowledge, ignorant by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, this is very important. The Greek words used here imply a source of correction. Oh, my. It means that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves as believers. The church helps to complete all that is deficient in our spiritual lives if we are trying to do this on our own. Paul goes so far as to make the analogy of children tossed back and forth. Children who do not possess knowledge or the wisdom to keep themselves safe. That's what Paul is saying you and I are like without God's church. Paul compares the instability and the inexperience of a child to what it is like to be without the nurturing and the protection of God's church. He uses the analogy of the ignorance of a child versus the maturity of an adult. Yikes. That is weighty. Number four, the church equips us. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That word equip is very important. It means the complete furnishing. Again, pointing to this idea that we are incomplete in our spiritual walk without the church. It is a process that Paul is referring to, a lifelong process that we are not just equipped or made better for solely our benefit, though. And this is sometimes where we get sidetracked and we get uh, maybe distracted as good Pentecostals. We feel really good about our devotional life. We feel really good about the goosebumps that we feel when we're in the presence of the Lord. And I've heard good people say, well, it's just me and Jesus and that's all that matters. And I am here to tell you this morning that that is not true because it is not biblical. It's not in the word of God. I hope you are seeing this. For when we are born again, we are fed and we are edified for the body of Christ so that we can help someone else grow. That is why we are saved. Jesus called it making disciples. Something we talk about a lot here. That it isn't enough for you and I to just be a disciple. But the purpose of us being saved and coming into relationship with God in his church is that we would become a disciple maker, that we would help other people to grow in their relationship with God. Amen. Number five, and this is my last point, the church commissions us. Through the church, we are taught our mission. The church releases us for our purpose, and it is only through the church, that we can fulfill that purpose. There are God-given gifts. Please hear me today. There are God-given gifts, helps, and blessings that are only available in your life through his church. It is his plan for you to need the church, for you to be attached and fitly joined 
to the church. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together. Not show up and leave as if we are existing spiritually separate from the church, but held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body, the whole body, not just one part of the body, not just us as individuals, but we grow together as we build ourselves up in love in Christ. The church holds together, all of us individually and corporately. We cannot grow without each other. That is what the Bible is telling us today. And so as I come to my conclusion this morning, I know of no better example of the necessity of the church in the life of a believer than that of the author of the passage we have read together today, the mighty apostle Paul. Paul is without question, think about his life and ministry, one of the most important believers to ever walk this planet. He wrote over half of the New Testament He was the greatest missionary the world has ever known. But we understand when we read his story in Acts 9 that that Paul would have remained Saul of Tarsus if it wasn't for a man, a disciple, a member of that church named Ananias. I want to look at it with you quickly. Verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. He's talking about Saul. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Ananias was saying, God, is this a suicide mission? Are you sending me to my execution by telling me to pray for this guy? But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine. To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Listen to this. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. That is so powerful. To realize that Ananias got the message when God said, He is going to be a part of your church family. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me, has sent the church so that you may regain your sight, that you would be healed and be filled with the Holy Spirit because Paul had to be born again and he had to have the church help him do that. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened, moving quickly Further into Acts 9, we understand that the church literally saved Paul's life. Do you know this? This is fascinating. Verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Not even Paul could make it without the care and protection and love that the early church was providing to him. And so today I say confidently to you that without the church, there would be no mighty apostle, mighty missionary, mighty author of half of the New Testament. There would be no Paul. 
Because Paul needed Ananias and he needed Barnabas. He needed Silas too. He needed Timothy. He needed Priscilla and Aquila to teach him the word of God. And Paul knew that he needed them. He acknowledges this repeatedly throughout his letters. Pay attention. Through his letters, Paul stops and sends greetings to individuals in the congregations to which he is writing. A perfect example of this is Romans 16. And I won't read all of it to you for, for sake of time. But verse 1, I commend you to our sister Phoebe. Woohoo! There she is, Phoebe. A servant of the church that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever way she may need from you. For she, she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. If you continue reading through verses 5 to 13, verses 14 to 16, and up until the very end of Romans chapter 16, over 30 people are named specifically by Paul the Apostle to say, I could not have made it without you. I could not be doing what God called me to do and created me to be without your help as the church. Romans is one of the most profound books of the Bible, and yet Paul wanted us to know. He wanted that church in Rome to know, I need you just as much as you need me. Is it any wonder that Satan works relentlessly to keep us from this house, to divide us among ourselves? And he will use any vice we allow him to do it. Amen. The Bible is full of so many one another's. Why? Because it is assumed, because it is God's plan, that we are in relationship with each other because it is crucial to our spiritual transformation. Amen. And so I plead with you to hear the word of the Lord today. I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here on a Sunday morning. But I want to help you connect some dots that maybe have seemed far away from each other in the last year and a half as the church has struggled through this pandemic and the chaos that is in our world. No one survived the flood in Noah's day who was not on the ark. The ark, if you have never heard this before, is a type of the church. It is an illustration in scripture to show us what the church is in our lives. And so whatever you have to do, my friends, get in it and stay in it. My dad always said, the stink in the ark is better than the flood outside. That's a good word right there. It's funny, but it's true. The the ark wasn't perfect, and neither is the church. The ark literally stank. It didn't just stink. It stank. But it was God's way. It was God's only escape strategy from the flood that was coming. And you had to be in it in order to be saved. And so don't let politics or media 
or God forbid some Christian influencer becomes some kind of distraction that keeps you from staying in the ark, from staying in the church. Don't let polarizing environments like social media poison you against the church and poison you in your relationships with the imperfect people just like you who make up the church. Amen. As I hasten, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. But as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Peter makes another analogy related to Noah and his ark. In chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, Peter wrote, Who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an anti-type which now save us, saves us, baptism. And so if you are here today and you have never been baptized. We have water here and we will baptize you just like they did in the book of Acts. Our spiritual formation begins with the new birth. And that experience in its totality is only available to us through the church. And it doesn't end there. Birth is only the beginning of life. And so our continued growth is designed by God to be facilitated through the church. And that's why in Acts chapter 2, it ends with some very important information. It does not end with verses 38 and 39 that we love and know so well. But verse 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the church, and fellowship, the church, in the breaking of bread, the church, in prayers together, the church. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, the church, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among the church, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, in simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That is God's design for the church. Constant connection. Growing together. Sharing needs and resources. And this is why online service is never going to be enough. I think we knew that in theory, and COVID exposed the painful reality of how we suffer individually when we are not connected to God through his people. 
there are times when we can't be here. I acknowledge that, and I'm not trying to be rigid or critical in any way. But if we are well and able to be here, we should be here, because that is what this book says we should do. And I know that we are clearly living in the end times and crazy things are happening in the world. But I believe it was Paul who said, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is. Some people do that, Paul said. But come together so much the more as you see the day. There's only one day. It's that day. The day that Jesus comes back. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Please stand with me this morning. I know I've quoted my dad already in this message. But one of my favorite things to hear him say behind the pulpit, and he would get so fired up when he would say, is that God is not coming back for some wimpy, limping version of his church. He went so far as to say he's not coming back for a church on life support, just barely holding on, praying that he comes real fast. But Ephesians tells us he's coming back for a glorious church, a church that is strong and ready and united, waiting for him to come. And I acknowledge this morning that we are not perfect people. And I know of situations that have happened, even in the last year, that have been especially hurtful and discouraging among the church and its members. But what I do understand, and I hope I've showed you, I've tried my very best this morning, is that we've got to stay in the ark. And even though there are things that will hurt us, there's no, church, there's no hurt like church hurt, right? Because we're supposed to know better, we're supposed to do better. And yet we've got to stay in the ark, not just so that we can be saved, but so that we can fulfill our purpose in the earth. And I understand that some of this seems very self-serving given my position in this church. But if you will just hear my heart, one of the most profound revelations that I received in the last three and a half years since I've lost my dad is how much I need the church. There were times in St. Vincent when there weren't many of us there, but God's church came, and they were our family, and they prayed us through those dark moments. And I can be honest to say that after I lost my dad, I felt so numb for such a long time. I was so confused. I wanted to have faith. I wanted to be okay, but I wasn't. And in my weakness, sometimes I felt like God was silent, like he was distant from me, but he wasn't. He was very close to me through his church. And when I felt like I couldn't pray, and I felt like I didn't feel God, I felt him when I was with his people, when I was with his church. And so today, my altar call is very specific. I'm going to invite the pastoral staff to come. Because I believe that there are individuals in this room who have not fully come back home to the church since COVID. There are things that maybe you've read online and you've been very disappointed with people in the church. Maybe you've been very confused and conflicted even about how we have handled all of these regulations and guidelines 
Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been hurt. And if you haven't been hurt or disappointed by the church, just get ready. You will. Just give it time. But I want to invite you this morning to come to this altar. If maybe that's you. You've just felt like, and maybe it isn't anybody's fault. It's just you. I, I have struggled so much in my faith that I am struggling to connect to God's people again. It doesn't feel the same to you for whatever reason. I'm inviting you to come. And let these teachers and pastors, these people who are gifted by God for your spiritual care to lay hands on you. I believe there are people in this room who need God's healing, emotional healing, that you pray for privately. But there's something very different and very powerful about when God's people lay hands on each other and agree together for a need. And then I want to ask anybody in this room who is struggling with an addiction or a habit, some kind of hang-up that you cannot shake. Maybe it has been years. It has been decades. You've been a part of the church. You've been trying for a really long time, and you just can't seem to get certain areas of your life right. You need the church. You need God to help you in this environment. I want you to come to the front. And I want all of us to come to the front this morning. Because we need each other. We need that connection. And what I feel to do as you're coming this morning, please come forward, is I want us to acknowledge that we need the church. If there's hurt in your life, if you're offended, I want you to acknowledge that to the Lord in this moment and let him touch you. Let him help you. We need to recommit ourselves to the church. And I'm not talking about solely fellowship, even though that is very important and that is very apostolic. But I'm talking about meaningful connections where you're in a life group again. Where you're coming to Growth University, maybe for the very first time, because you understand that you cannot make it by yourself. You cannot teach yourself everything the Word of God is trying to show you. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.